0: hello 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 my name is adam this is the adam's podcast and today we have jack staus on the show uh to talk about all things backcountry education uh as well as party shirts international his company and uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff we kind of talk about the transition between uh being a new englander to becoming a salt lake city inhabitant i guess that's the right way to say that um as many of you have done or no friends that have done. You kind of make the pilgrimage out west and that kind of becomes your identity. So I talked to Jack a bit about that, what makes New England special and much, much more. Before we get into the episode, we just have a few quick things to get into. First and foremost, I wanted to say thank you to our friends at Bluebird Backcountry. Bluebird is an incredible backcountry experience that is within the confines of a closed backcountry community. If you've been in like, so an example is Bolton Valley in New England, right? Like Bolton Valley has an awesome backcountry scene. It's right off of the resort. There's a lot of amenities there. You're in the backcountry, but you're not in the backcountry. Bluebird has a similar vibe, just with more elevation, more terrain availability, um, and more variability within that terrain. So. You can check out everything that Bluebird has to offer at bluebirdbackcountry.com. And uh, let's go skiing. Let's go skiing at Bluebird. I'm always down for a tour. I will fly out there and ski with you if you shoot me a message to go skiing at Bluebird. So uh, go to bluebirdbackcountry.com to learn more or Bluebird Backcountry on social. Let's go skiing. Um, next, we have Fisher Skis. Fisher is an easy one to talk about today because we are actually in Austria as we speak. I'm sitting in my hotel room watching Ethan try to fall asleep while I'm recording these ads uh, because the lovely people at Fisher are having us out to check out everything that they actually do behind the scenes. So uh, it's a great company. We've been working with them for a very long time. We will continue to work with them. And I couldn't be more thrilled to be working with a company that actually offers a product – that actually cares to offer a product that is as good as it could be um, and always trying to make it even better. The Ranger Series, especially that Ranger 108, is what I've been hot on this season. And if you haven't skied one, it is the best 108-width ski that exists on the planet right now. So go make some turns on some. I have some set up with a pair of ATKs or a pair of Moment Voyagers. um, And I kind of use it as like my 50-50 setup, some touring, some resort skiing. And I couldn't be happier. So go to FisherSports.com and you can learn everything you need to know about all the Fisher gear. And as always, if you have questions, hit me up Adam at a com, And I'm happy to help. Without further ado, here's Jack Stouse. Jack, tell people first and foremost who you are, a little bit about yourself, and then we can kind of roll on from there.
1: Cool, yeah. So my name is Jack Stouse. I'm a uh, Vermont transplant living in Salt Lake City, Utah, I've lived here uh, for about 10 years full time and I moved here, like many, to uh, come to ski in the big mountains here. And that's kind of my sort of first identifier. I would say I am a skier. Primarily these days, backcountry ski touring is the name of the game. Looking for fun, powder, cool, unique features in the mountains and when the conditions allow. Kind of bigger terrain. Uh, My day job is uh, working as an environmental advocate here in Salt Lake for a small river uh, advocacy org. And then I do a lot of like kind of freelance projects. Um, I work in the winters as an avalanche educator and uh, guide. And that sort of uh, feeds into what I do and sort of like, I guess, I wouldn't call it pro skier, but working as like in the ski profession, um, work with a couple of different companies skiing, using, using their equipment, um, namely Wonder Alpine, Flylow, Fulcrum, uh, a couple others that have Hook me up with stuff in the last couple of years. has been really cool. And then, yeah, do some uh, freelance writing and uh, run a small business. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of seems like a lot when I talk about it like that. <laughs> Every time I do my intro, it's sort of like, whoa, that was like two minutes. But what really ties it all together is the want to spend a lot of my time outdoors and then to help others experience outdoor places, both from you know, just getting out and going skiing or going for hikes or adventures, um, wearing cool, cool cool party shirts that provide like, you know, bringing up the vibe and kind of like a jovial attitude in the outdoors and then the advocacy piece too. So they all yeah. kind of relate back to getting outside, doing stuff with my friends, rambling out in the mountains. And uh, for me, the, you know, I do a lot of the activities, like all the sports that we do out here, but my number one thing and kind of what I'm like most psyched on year over year is <laughs> continuing to build my – um abilities and and excitement as a skier, which has been a really fun way to experience the West and, and the world
0: really. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously so much to touch on there, but like not unlike so many people, like everybody's wearing a thousand hats. It feels like it, it's just how it goes in the ski industry. Like you just do everything you can possibly do. And I think we're all guilty of just adding a million new things to our plate all the time. It's like even – I don't know. I feel like I'm adding a new thing to what I'm doing every single day even though like I'm always complaining about not having enough time or not being able to do this or not being totally. able to do that. And So I, it's a it's a disease but a lot of us <laughs> have it I think in the industry right now. Yeah. No, I mean it's, it's
1: fun to like have uh, – to have a lot of opportunities, to be able to travel, to be able to do stuff locally that's exciting, to – you know build uh, a career around something and then have it open doors be it in the ski industry or like for me like with environmental work like being able to piggyback that on different trips and and like you know year over year you build experience and then from that you build connections and then that allows you to do more cool stuff and ideally you know if you're if you're lucky enough you get to do that for work which so far i've been able to and there definitely is a thing though and and i think this conversation we're having today sort of stemmed from um, a post I put up about this outpost event that I went on and, you know, on the, on the surface, what I get to do looks just, you know, like all fun and games basically. But when it comes down to it, yeah. If you juggle, you know, three or four different things that you like to do. And like, um, depending on seasons, those are busier or, um, or more mellow. Uh, you know, it definitely becomes hard too. Like there's things that you need to like, know you'll be, have to put on hold or, um, things you have to, step away from a little bit and that's difficult when you love all of them um but something that you just learn over time how to balance and also how to ask for help and delegate which i've been the last couple years really having to do like hiring people for my company or having folks help me out like step in with different projects so you can really focus on one thing at a time Um, and you want to like do stuff well too you know you don't want to like half-ass things (laughs) which happens when you stretch yourself too thin
0: for sure. Like, I'm guilty of that all the time. It's like I just, uh, Ethan was giving me shit for it yesterday. It's like we just start doing things just on a whim and just like have no planning. And it's like it works to our benefit a lot because it's like the best ideas just kind of come when you're in the moment a lot of times. But there's a lot of situations where like we're planning a trip or we're doing this or we're doing that. And there's no planning that went into it. We show up. We're just yeah. kind of like deer in headlights. Like, what the fuck do we do right now? And that that's totally. part of it, too, I guess, you know?
1: Oh, for sure. And that's sometimes the most fun when you're like, okay, we got to sure. go execute this thing. And like, you have, you know, the rough outline and you're like, yeah. okay, we're going to go and just, you know, we're going skiing here or we're going to go like to this, you know, desert spot and like figure it out. And that can be like, you can find really rad stuff that uh, kind of blossoms from that, but you got to be ready to, you know, embody sort of the chaos on occasion too,
0: yeah, <laughs> which I yeah, like to do. Sure. I
1: like to, you know, Pete, and that's comes from work, like living and working in the outdoor space for so long. Like, being able to kind of roll with the punches and like deal with weird adversity that you find along the way, especially when you like live out of a van for a year or you like, you know, work seasonally and then you like have a summer where you're like, okay, I don't really know what I'm going to do and I'm cool with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You kind kind of have to to be okay with it. Yeah. It's part of it. Um, Let me ask you this. You're a Vermont transplant uh, that now lives in Utah. Like what do you think the percentages of people that classify themselves as Utah locals, that have come from new england like it's a thing that i always kind of pick on because i'm like adamant about not moving like i'll go wherever the fuck <laughs> i need to go but i'm like dead set on not being a like going to colorado and like chasing this like right. oh, i want to go out west for a few years like because everybody so, i like, know i'm jealous of as it is and i'm just like being stubborn and yeah. fighting that transition i think
1: no, that's, I mean, it's a great question. And honestly, it's like an identity thing I grapple with too. Like I have a lot of friends that have moved here and they're like, they're never moving back to New England, you know, right? They right, like, right? they love living here. They love everything it provides. And I, I do also love um, living in the West. I think it's great. And for me, it's provided a really amazing amount of opportunity because I have chased these things. I've chased like the ski world. I've chased like learning new activities like rock climbing and ski touring. Um, I continue to like, I, I wouldn't live in Salt Lake if I didn't ski 90 days of winter, you know? Yeah. It would just be like, why would you live out here if you if you didn't use the, oper- if, yeah. if you didn't take advantage of these mountains we have here? So I would say like percentage wise, I, I have no idea, but like I was just skiing today. And like most days I go out and I'll look at my touring party or the people kind of in the area and like in the parking lot, even and I'm like, you know, I would say like half or more are people that have come from the Midwest or East coast that have come right. out here to at least, do a season or two. Um, and you know, there's a couple things to that that are like great. Like I get to see friends all the time that live out here and we like, we talk about like some party we were at in Warren in like 2009, you know? (laughs) yeah. Or like my buddy that went to school with me at Westminster, he like grew up in Rochester, Vermont, like down the road from me. And we just like reminisce on or not even reminisce, but we talk about cool stuff that's happening back home, like all the mountain bike development. So it's nice to have that community here to be able to kind of, um, you know, still feel like I have a part of me that is in the East. Cause I, I love Vermont, man. Like Vermont will always kind of be home to me. Um, yeah. that being said, like I've, I have, I've learned how to like basically like do all of my environmental work here. I think it's a great place to run a business for kind of the same yeah. reasons you were saying you like where you live, like ease of access to skiing, ease of access to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, an international airport. Um, we, I can like walk down the street to a cool little bar or, a uh, you know grocery store I definitely can't do that in Grandville Vermont unfortunately. Yeah, right. um, so for now, you know, I think it makes sense for somebody like that wants to try something new, but you know, if I didn't grow up in Vermont, I probably would have moved there versus out here, you know.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I love sure.
1: skiing in Vermont, dude. Like people here talk shit on Vermont, like even when it's bad, it's like it's pretty fun, you know? Like Billy going down lift line or like um, yeah. go, I went ski touring at the at the Brandon Gap last year. So sick. Yeah, that shit's like,
0: dope. You can do 100 was, yeah, laps like, there
1: totally i skied like yeah i skied like 4k and like yeah op- like all the, like i was know <laughs> these, these guys that have been you know setting like cutting runs in there for like a bunch of years and they were just like showing me the holes though and it was like yeah this is like really fun skiing like good snow like any kind of adventure you're like off the long trail yeah um so yeah i could i i have fun when i go back east always too and i i'm very split brain i think i'm more split brain than many and i think i'm similar to many as well just like we yeah. you know i love it out here i love it back home um I've I've found few other places that I think I could live right now between Salt Lake or Central Vermont. Honestly, yeah. like the the Outpost tour gave me a really good um, sampling of amazing mountains, amazing communities. Um, but what I have here, I came home and I'm like, whoa! I'm I'm like really really lucky. It helps that we're having like a historic or whatever winter. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is even if it's not like the last few years have been kind of hit, hit and miss, you know, dry seasons. Like we're still spoiled rotten here.
0: Yeah. You shitting me? Like it's (laughs) not even close to like what we deal with. Like it was 70 and I was riding my bike in a t-shirt like two and a half weeks ago. Like we got eight inches last night and that's like (laughs) our biggest storm of the year. But I literally was riding bikes on bone dry trails the same way I would in July, like just a couple weeks ago. It's just how it goes out here. And like, I, I will say it feels like The environmental impact is very relevant here. Like, we have not had a normal winter since I was in high school, you know, like 10 plus years ago. I think was the last time there was a winter that I can remember that I was like consistently going outside, that there was snow Mm -hmm. on Christmas. And I was consistently going outside and being like, all right, it's winter. Let's go skiing. It's just demoralizing. Like, that's the biggest thing is like everybody wants to be like "Oh, an East Coast Hardo and go no matter what the condition is. And like, that's fine. And I'll do that. But my tolerance for that is only so high. Like, I only want to do that every so often. Like, I don't want to go out and I don't want to ski shit every single day. I'd rather go ski something fun. Or if it's that dry, I'd rather go ride my bike and ride shit when it's dope then like, like, I'm not pigeonholing myself into being like only a skier all the time. I, I love skiing, right. it's like my number one thing, but yeah. it's just, I, I don't know, there's other things you can do than drive to Stratton and ski bulletproof when there's nothing like totally. the backcountry in southern Vermont has not been in literally yeah. until yesterday.
1: But. Like,
0: it's just not like there was a couple days you could have got out and got it that day, and but there's not. There wasn't anything. There's a couple days that I was up in like Stowe area and stuff was pretty good. Or like Brandon Gap was okay. But like as soon Mm -hmm. as you get south of that, it had just turned into – like even two seasons ago, there was plenty of – like I probably got 30 days at this little place called Dutch Hill that's like an hour and a half from me, hour and 10 from me actually. And it's great. It's like 400 vert laps. It's the steepest run in New England for like <laughs> literally 60 feet or something like that. No like it's way. like three, three turns, but it's this. It's like an old <laughs> abandoned ski resort that like Rasta um, cool. runs like it's or SOVTA runs yep. now. And it's great. Like you're seeing these little zones pop up left and right. And when they're in, they're so much fun. It's just right. they're not in all the time now.
1: Yeah, man, that's, I mean, that's what, to me, like, why I do, like, why I've consistently year over year stayed here. Because we do have, so there's two things to this, right? Like, we do have really, really good predictability in winter in Salt Lake right now. Um, No matter if it's a bad winter, like, it's going to snow some. But that being said, like, we're having here and and throughout the West, especially the Southwest, you know, more, uh, like, in a more arid region, like the desert Southwest, which Salt Lake is a part of. Um, A lot of Colorado is, of course, New Mexico and Arizona. Southern California, you know, those are, that region is arid to begin with. So it's already kind of a feast or famine landscape, but then you get these winners. Like, you know, I can think of like four winners since I've lived here, like full time since 2013, but I went to college here before that too, like the four years before that. And I can think of like four winners, like 11 and like 19 and maybe like 08. I don't know that were like really good, like above average years. And other than that, like 17 was good, but then it like shut off all of March. And that happened last year too. Like we had a really good start. And it yeah. all of like there were seven weeks in February, it just like totally turned off. And yeah. I think you're right on, like, this is a direct impact of of us seeing the jet stream change attributed to climate change. And yeah. so I'm actually working on a couple pieces right now about that exact issue, like how we can use backcountry skiing to help understand climate change through the lens of like snowpack basically, and how we're seeing yeah. all over the world, definitely in the Northeast, definitely in the Southwest, like year over year, substantial changes. And I think it will change, not just that like my identity as a skier is gonna shift, but also like my identity of what I think is cool with skiing. Like back in yeah. the day when I was like 20, you know, I would be like, I wanna just like, I'm gonna hit park when it's sunny, and then when it's powering, I'm gonna like jump off big cliffs and like yeah. ski lines. And now, you know, after years of like ski touring and like realizing that our seasons are changing so drastically, I've had the kind of like, you kind of have to have a perception shift of like, what gets you excited about going out and skiing? So like, yeah, Yeah. like back East, like I've skied on like, you know, like objectively bad conditions for sure. And like, (laughs) okay, cool. Like I'm going to tour around my parents' farm and like, just go bring the dog out and like see the, the view of the cliff, like off the cliff or, or like I was, when I was home for for Christmas, we like skied up the top of Mad River, and it was like, yeah, it was like kind of raining, but it was yeah, you know, we right. skied from the car, and it was like fun. It was novel and cool, and like ski toured up Mad River Glen, and then out right. here, same thing. Like, you know, when it's when we get these potential, like we get these feast or famine storms, so it'll dump early season, and then we get these big like snowpacks that sit around for like a month or more while it dries out and facets. And then the snowpack builds on that. We got these lingering, persistent weak layers. You got to totally shift what you're psyched to ski. You know, it's like right. I got to just enjoy skiing like low angle aspen glades, or just like going for an exercise walk, and you know that's cool. I, I I enjoy doing that, so I can I can fit my like mind around the condition change, but it is still like sad in a lot of ways. Like we're losing what I knew to be winter when I was a kid, and. Yeah you know, that's hard to, hard to reconcile as a person that loves winter. And also like, you know, we understand climate change from this kind of like, kind of not like, it's a pretty, it's a pretty like niche way to see climate change. Like being a skier is a pretty privileged spot. for sure And it's not just about winter going away for the sake of our, you know, sport. It's also about like these snowpacks provide watershed to ecosystems and communities downstream. So being able to like remember that and then realize like why it's important to think about this thing kind of from a, like a thirty thousand foot viewpoint, I think it's, it's pretty. It's a pretty cool way to to get your head around it, you know.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's always important to remember the fact that like skiing is not the most important thing in the world. It, it just it, no matter how important it is to any of us, it just it can't be like it's just not totally. what it is. Even if it's like number two for you, that that's fine. <laughs> but like I think the health of the planet overall is a very it's a very touchy subject for people still right now, but it's something that I think everybody's starting to open their eyes to. And it's it's important yeah. because you have this sample size where like people my age are looking back 10 years ago now and they're like, this is different. Like it's notably like, different. And I think that's, that's where people will start actually being like, look, this is a fucking problem. Like this is a yeah. thing that we actually need to pay attention to. And I think there's no better... Sample than looking at New England, right? there there's sure. such a like because there already wasn't a great snowpack, and when you see that already not good yeah. snowpack diminish at the rate right. that it is and just see the complete inconsistency, mm-hmm. and like, sure, there's always anomalies, right? There's always going to be a weird seventy degree right. day that just happens. But it was like sustained for a week, you know? and then like, Crazy to get nothing for weeks on end is great. Like to just see 50 degree as like, I would be yeah. curious to know what our average temperature has been over the last like few months, because it's been so many 45 to 60 degree days. Crazy. Like I I've never had it like that. So yeah, it's, I, it's an interesting thing to look at. And I think the, the way that we can sample that from the view of a skier is, is unique.
1: It's totally unique. I think it's, 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 you know, I think it's worthwhile doing that and being kind of like citizen sim- scientists almost and like keeping track of season change and keeping track of like yeah our activities like you said like and I think northeast more than anywhere I I feel like has started to harden themselves against the impacts of climate change like you know I grew up in the Mad River Valley which when I was a kid it was you know we called it the uh small skiing town with a big drinking problem you know it was like yeah. this cool place that people would come from all over the world to go skiing like there were buses showing people up from the like south from canada yeah. um it was like when i was a kid like sugarbush was like it was like sick skiing you know john egan like these like kind of hardcore like guys totally. from the 80s and now you know the northeast like that area for example like like warren and Waitsfield, they're building mountain bike trails everywhere they're like okay like everywhere. skiing the ski season is like so much shorter than it used to be and now it's like okay so what can we do it's like we got this amazing terrain for mountain biking we can like put some money towards it you know we've got these cool like breweries and restaurants opening up and so you kind of get this like shift in how we're gonna build lives around that and it's like once again it is part of that is part of me is sad about that like thinking about the winners that i grew up with in the 90s and 2000s like like, I'll never forget the Valentine's Day storm, like, 2007, like, skiing Mad River and, like, epic. Like, it's still, like, one of the best powder days I've ever skied, you know? And yeah. those, those probably won't really happen anymore. If they, all, if they do, it's like you're saying, like, super fickle. It's like, strike while well, the iron's hot, you know? You got to see it coming and, like, go. Yeah. And honestly, that's kind of happening here, too. Like, we've been lucky this winter, but previous seasons that I've lived here, like, you sort of get these shorter windows of when stuff's in. Like, you kind of thread that needle of when the persistent weak layer that we're getting because of climate change heals. And then it's still cold enough to kind of be winter on especially solar aspects. Like last year, that, that target was like super, super small. It's like, okay, like, I guess we get like a week of winter on all aspects. (laughs) And that's, I don't know, it's challenging, but yeah, I think it's a good thing to take note of and good thing to, yeah, like I said, like I've been trying to wrap my head around this for a while and I'm actually like literally going to, we're going to publish one of these essays like in the next Like we, it's going to, well, we're going to send it off in like a week, but I'm excited for that to come out and start having a conversation about how we can use skiing, not as a way to be like, oh, we need skiing to be saved. It's more like how we as backcountry skiers can just like perceive the changes we're seeing and, you know, work with scientists and work with policymakers to help, you know, at this point, it's really just adapt to the changes. Not much we can do to change, big picture change, a lot of this stuff.
0: Right. No, you're right. It's polarizing too. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's all over the place. And I mean, honestly, like on the Vermont side of things, it's like there's the only real benefit to anybody is that the mountain biking is as good as it's ever been right now. Like the trail systems that are going up and the riding that's there. I will – I had this argument with someone yesterday. It's like the riding right now in Vermont and in New Hampshire and in even where I live, like the shit that's outside my door – Is better than half of the shit that people take me to go ride in Utah. Absolutely, if not more, the shit is firing right now. And that's you're the you're the second
1: second buddy of mine that in the last two days, my my buddy Chris is out here. Last night we had dinner, and he's like, he's from uh, he was in Hanover, New Hampshire. Yeah, ski tour is like all over all over the whites and greens, and you know mountain bikes too. He's like like races mountain bikes, and he's like honestly, he's like he's like uh, unpopular opinion, but I'm like dude, I don't think that's unpopular at all. Like I've ridden in both spots, and like. The house rides from my parents' farm in Granville versus the house rides here in the city. Oh, for dude, like sure. the trails in yeah. Rochester are so sick.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so good. You can do whatever you want. The riding is as good. As, like, sure, is it less fur? Is there less scenery? Sure. But like, fuck off. The riding itself, the actual riding is is so better in so much. Yeah, it's just so much fun. And it's different. It's a different style of riding for sure. But yeah. it's uh, it's really, really good.
1: Totally. No, I agree with that. And that's why I like going back East, man. There's like, I go trail running, like up in the, like on the long trail and like trails around the, in the mountains. And then I can go bike with buddies, like go to the river. You know, there's, that's the thing we really miss out here. Like being able to go to the river back East. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's nothing like that really. Like out here, you got to like hunt for that kind of thing, kind of summer um, enjoyment. So yeah. And I got bad love for the East all seasons, but summer particularly I'll be, I'll be back in July again. I, I try to cut a big chunk of time out and Sick. Go ride, go run, and see my fam, you know.
0: Sick. Well, let's ride bikes for sure. Um, cool, yeah. let, what, let me ask you about this. On the avi education side of things, what, what does that look like for you over the past few years? Uh, I mean, there's so many more people getting interested in going into the backcountry for the first time seeing it more and more and more, and I think rightfully so. Like, people want to be able to get out there. They want some separation from their life. They want to get some exercise there. Whatever their reasoning is, there's so many good reasons to go skiing in the backcountry. But what what has that done for you as an educator? Like, what what does all these new people meet? Like, what what does that do for you from your perspective?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, like, I mean, honestly, when I think about it all the time, too, because there's really – not a super easy answer to like my relationship with new users because it, it is challenging, right? like it, skiing and especially backcountry skiing is a sport like based in scarcity. you know we're all yeah. going to ski the same areas with like a certain amount of powder and especially over here where I live close to this metropolis, uh, it's even more challenging like there's just way more people than you get in the Tetons or something. Um, right. but yeah, you know I, I love getting new users out. I love people wanting to explore especially winter, Winterist mountain activities. I think it's an amazing way to uh, kind of get out and understand nature on a much more kind of dynamic level than you do with other activities, or especially with uh, resort skiing. Um, yeah. So yeah, when I started teaching um, avalanche education in twenty, I think seventeen, I came at it from a very recreation standpoint. And that's kind of my whole background with skiing in general. Like even when I competed with with park back in the day and ski raced, I was like doing it because I love doing it, not because I wanted to like win or like you know, yeah. be competitive. It was just like fun. And so with ski touring has been the same way. Like I did it cause I wanted to like follow that natural progression of what skiing kind of meant to me. And so, yeah, like basically did that for a bunch of years cause kind of my own terms. And then when I was in school at the u i, I one of my like mentor advisors up there runs the outdoor rec program here. And he's like, Oh, you'd be a great, like, you know, backcountry ski educator. So I took like their internal kind of coursework to do that. And started teaching an intro course where it's just like it's not even aviat at first it was just like intro to backcountry skiing in the wasash and i would just take new users out to super benign terrain and just like show them um really simple like snowpack setups and uh terrain management and group dynamics um yeah. so i did that for like a year and then i started teaching level one avalanche courses um with like the the a3 curriculum and yeah it's been really fulfilling like both for the sake of me understanding how to communicate you know complex snow terrain and weather issues to people but also um yeah like being able to just like get people psyched on going skiing like they want to learn a new activity they want to like get out and see new mountains and expand their own boundaries kind of in the much the same way that i did so i can i feel like for a lot especially the college students i teach i can kind of like cut out like five years of what i did as like kind of screwing around with my friends like you know i wouldn't say we made bad choices but we were just like hiking out of brighton and alta like into wolverine Cirque, and like you know, right. skiing cool hours. Like we didn't really know that much. Right. Um, and so now I can kind of like give that knowledge to students and like kind of help skip, help, help them skip that learning phase. And then, yeah, I mean, just like, it's super cool to like get out and ski with somebody you like show them a snowpack. They kind of understand what they're looking at. And then we make train selections based off of that. And then they get to ski, you know, here in Utah. Like I got, I had a kid from Minnesota. He was like a sophomore at the U here. And, We skied this run off the top of Short Swing, which is just like super chiller aspen trees. But it was like sick. It was like a sick day. We've been doing an avalanche class all weekend. Like got to know each other pretty well. And we like skied this super blower run down. He's like, dude, it's like I just came out of my Instagram Explore page. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, dude. Like, So he's going to show people both like the science and the um, tools they need to stay like, you know, out of harm's way out there. And then also like show them like an objectively awesome time. And for me, that's yeah. been really fun. And what I continue to do, um, both at the university here, um, as well as through now with now these Wonder events, since I've started yeah. that partnership since twenty, basically in 2019.
0: Cannon Mountain is a sponsor of the Out of Bounce podcast, and I couldn't be more psyched. I also want to tell you to come skiing with us in two weekends for Cannon 80s Day. It's the most fun that we have on the hill all year. It is Saturday the twenty. I should have pulled this up before we did this, but it's Saturday. Bear with me. If you leave this ad, you're a pile. Um, Saturday the 25th is 80s day at Cannon, and uh, we're just going to go skiing. We're going to get dressed up in 80s gear, and we're going to go hit some jumps and ski a bunch of slushy snow and have a good time. Maybe we'll even ski pow. Who knows with this season and how it's been. Go to cannonmt.com where you can learn everything about what is happening at Canon in general, but especially on 80s day. Lastly, our friends at Mem- our friends at Memoot want to keep you safe in the backcountry this season and that is why you should be buying a Barryvox beacon, a shovel, and a probe from Memoot. They have these awesome pre-made kits. so if you're getting into backcountry skiing and you need a new kit, everything is all done in one. It's the easiest way to just get the gear. They even give you a little bit of a discount off the top for buying all three together. It is—it's the gold standard in safety equipment when it comes to the backcountry. So go to Mammut.com and get yourself a new beacon, a new shovel, a new probe. If you use promo code Out of Bounds twenty-five, capital O, capital O, capital B, you will save twenty-five percent on your purchase. So go do that. You can save a bunch of money and get yourself properly set up for the season to come. Yep. In your in your mind, how much of it in terms of avalanche safety is education and how much of it is like personality type and ego and yeah. Like cuz that goes into it so much. Like I've talked to a friend before about this where it's like he's like yeah, I have a problem with the way that avalanche education is taught because people go and they take their avi 1 And then they think they're invincible and they know everything, right? It's like, which is the opposite of the way that like, I don't know, I finally took my heavy one like a few weeks ago. And the opposite of like Blake at uh, Senate Mountain Guides was like, the number one thing is that you don't know shit about fuck. Like you literally don't know anything, you know? Like even when you know stuff, it's like the the mountain is number one and that's it. But there's this huge part of it that is your own ego, your own willingness to accept like what the risks are. Acknowledge them and just be like, This is where it's at right now.
1: Oh dude, I, I like so once again, like my recreation background and also like what I'm psyched on with skiing. Like I love teaching classes. I only teach a couple classes a year. I did a lot more days with Wonder this year, which are way more like leveraging towards like just getting people out to ski in places yep. they maybe know but they don't actually like get to go out and backcountry that backcountry ski that often. Right. So like for me, and I'll have students that like, or people that I meet, like I'd say more often than not, just people like that want to backcountry ski and they refuse to ski with partners that don't have a level one or they, yeah. or, or they're not going to set, set foot in their touring bindings before they have a level one. And, right. you know, I like get that perspective. Right. But like, honestly, a level one is like, it's like a drop of water in the ocean. <laughs> for
0: the sure. only way
1: you're going to get good at doing anything is by getting mileage. And right. I tell a lot to people, it's like if you wanna go be a backcountry skier, you have to go backcountry ski. You gotta go ski touring and you gotta get out and you gotta make observations. You gotta be watching the weather every single day. You gotta be tracking snow change over the season, season history, and you gotta build relationships with both people like that you wanna ski with as well as landscapes that you wanna go explore. Right. And for me that's been a, like it's basically built amazing friendships. I've been able to go out with people that I've now know for seven or 10 years and we've skied like mountain ranges all over the west and east and canada and like been able to get out and go on these these adventures and it's not because they have a level one like some of my closest ski touring partners don't even they just don't ski when it's paddling or considerable hazard they just right. wait till it stabilizes and then we go ski like some big gnarly mountain because they just yeah. you know they don't want to they don't it's not about like for them like having to have the skills like super dialed they'd rather just like know they can take some piece out of the equation like it's avalanche hazard yeah. or something and then go skiing. I think it's valuable to practice with the tools. And I do like skiing powder. And I like skiing, you know, right. relatively like uh, you know, like avalanche train, like above yeah. 30 degree terrain when it's snowing, because it's fun if there's not a persistent yeah. weak layer underneath that. So I do know how to use my tools. Um, but you know, I've I've triggered avalanches, <clears throat> I've witnessed avalanches, I've never been caught and carried in an avalanche. I do, yeah. you know, we do ski cut stuff, like we mitigate hazards and I know how to do that because I've taken professional avalanche classes and I've spent a lot of time traveling and I like I said like I came at this from a really recreation background like I came at it from just wanting to get out and spend time in the mountains with my friends and I think if you want to backcountry ski like yeah like you know you know how to use your transceiver you know yeah. know how to like you got to start somewhere you know how to you have to know which weather pages to open up and you got to yeah. know like a couple routes but all that information is readily accessible and if you spend a little time like talking to people in the community reaching out to folks that, you know, maybe it's hiring a guide for a day. Maybe it's spending that couple hundred bucks, you know, not on your ski pass, but on a guide and like getting some information right. from them. That's a great, great resource. Um, taking a, you know, doing a refresher course, whatever. Um, but yeah, I would say like people really like get pigeonholed by this uh, education piece. And I think it's like, there's enough train that's not avalanche train that you can just go and like start ski touring, start mm-hmm. making weather, snow observations, um, Get friends that are interested and in psych and the same things you are. You know, yeah. don't try to like go ski tour with somebody that's like gonna go open up the NAR like your first time. Go go yeah. with people that have similar interests, maybe like a little bit more experience or even a little less experience, and you can start sharing what you're like understanding to them. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's like people get kind of caught up in this. I think it's partially because people like they just don't want to like commit to leaving the ski area. <laughs> which I also understand like skiing the ski area is really fun and it's pretty low key, like, you know, low stress, your buddies are all there People are drinking beers, you know, but I think when you do step out into backcountry skiing, it can open up a whole other world. And for some, it just is like the natural progression. Like, that's what happened to me. Like, I loved skiing the ski resort for a long time and I just, I didn't get bored. I was just like, I grew out of it. I like started to learn more stuff about the natural world and like, wanted like a lot of friends of mine were starting to do it. And I just wanted to like see what was, what else was available. No, I didn't want to yeah. like grow out of skiing. I just wanted to like change my relationship to the sport.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think there, there's so much there. I, I will say for me, it was like when I signed up for the course, Blake was like, are you sure you need to take, like, I was surprised to even see your name on the list. And like, for me, it was like, I had spent a considerable enough time in avalanche terrain. And obviously I have these conversations all the time and I have more background, I think, than most people do when they go and they take their av one. But for me, even it was such an eye opener to how many things you don't think about, right, that you might know or but you just don't consider in in the whole process. So I, I couldn't recommend people taking one enough um, if they haven't yet. But there's there's so much more to it. Like we had like there's people in groups that I see all the time that are out in terrain and have an av one and even have an av two and like hardly know how to use their gear. And that to me is like, I I will like, we were clicking in (laughs) at the top of tux and this person just didn't know how to click into their binding correctly and like use their stuff. And I'm just like, this is fucking terrifying. Like that's scarier to me. Like going and hunting your ski down when it slides down the hill seems sketchier to me than worrying about my turns, you know, and that. So there's so much that goes into it. And I think that more intro to backcountry courses in general, where they talk about like, here, this is how you take your skins off. This is Mm -hmm. how to like set a skin track. This is how to actually like, you know, put your binding on and make sure that it's working correctly and understand the gear because so many people, and I think every shop in the world is guilty of it. You sell a package and you're just like assuming the person has enough knowledge to go out there. Yeah. Like right? here you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like here's this thing. It doesn't look like a regular binding. There's these little pinholes that hold it in. And like, yeah, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> binding elasticity hardly exists. Totally. It's like they don't ski well. And well, there's a- so much there's so much that goes into it on the gear side, let alone the education side from like yeah. the terrain perspective. And just going out there and going like and having the miles and having the days out there where you realize the type of things that come up. And I think that's a thing that a lot of people miss out on is like, yeah, just go start by going for a ski tour at your resort. Yeah. Right. Like, just go go up a groomer. Especially like in Vermont, in New England, it's like every resort at this point lets you do that in the morning. Like, even if it's not during hours, like it's one of my favorite things to do is just go get a fitness lap in and like makes me feel like not a pile of shit. I can get a sunrise and I can just go out there and like feel like I did something that day. And yeah, is it the sickest ever? No, like it's not the sickest terrain ever. 99% of the time I'm skiing the same groomer that I skied down. It's usually dog shit, but like, (laughs) it's fun. You're going touring and that allows you to feel like, okay, I understand one part of the equation now really, really well. And I think that part is super, super underrated because it's not, when you take an av One, it's not your instructor's job to teach you how to use your equipment. It's like, sure, beacon, shovel, probe. Yeah, all that stuff is included in the conversation. But like knowing how to put your skis on, knowing what yeah. your, like what gear works well, totally. that conversation doesn't exist in those courses. And it should Like there's just not enough oh, time. I,
1: I build it in, man. I mean, you just do it because people's stuff doesn't work. So you end up like yeah. taking, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, troubleshooting people's gear. And then I just introduce the conversation about how I have perceived and utilized and you know, eventually bought or, you know, acquired equipment that then works for me. And part of it's right. coming from, you know, watching professionals, like watching guides or avalanche professionals and what they use. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like that's the tool that I'm gonna try next winter because it looks like it works better than what I currently have. And like gear aside, just like traveling, like going uphill mm-hmm. and downhill in the backcountry. Like I tell people that wanna start skiing in the backcountry, you need to be coming to the table with an upper intermediate or advanced level at the least because yeah. the ski the terrain you're going to come di- go downhill on it's going to be like you know the surface the snow surface is going to be like way diff more difficult than you find pretty much anywhere in the ski resort. You're going to have all yeah. sorts of different snow snow types. You're going to have like variety of like obstacles you got to navigate around. You got to be like a pretty good tree skier always. And yeah. yeah, I mean people think they can come and just like learn how to ski in the backcountry and I I'm, I'm sad that you can't cuz I wish it was the barrier of entry was easier. But you know, if you want to make it part of your life, you can. Like, like these days, people from our generation, like whatever your activity is, you can build it in in a meaningful way. And yeah, maybe it's getting up before work and going and walking up Park City or Solitude or whatever, or you know, even just the Mill Creek Road and like learning how to use your equipment. And I see people doing that. I see people with their babies on their backs just going up Grizzly, you know, and that's amazing to me. Like, I know you can make this part of your life and you know do it for your whole life if you want to. Um, And that's to me like really awesome and why I love ski touring because it does allow for more people to experience mountains in a really, um, a much different way than you can doing almost any other activity. And then yeah. you get to ski downhill versus having to like walk down the snow or something after like bagging a peak or even going up milk Creek yeah. road, like being able to glide down the road. Like the feeling of flying on your skis is like way cooler than just slogging down in your Sorrells, right. you know? Right. But and there's yeah, something no, I, to
0: say for earning it, right? Like there's like the earn your turns thing is like, One of the more annoying things that like people have said over time, (laughs) but it's so the reason like people all say is because it's true. Like you're literally, it feels better if you've gone and you've toured and you make those turns down because you're like, fuck that uphill shit. Like so much, like so much of the time I'm like, I don't feel like walking uphill, but I really, really want the down. Oh, just like yeah.
1: right. two days ago, I went and skied actually, or it was on Saturday. I went up and skied. We like woke up super early and I went and skied with Matt Sturbens, who I was on the Wonder yeah. Outpost tour with. And I hadn't skied with him since the outpost. It was like really fun. we I mean, We had, you know talked the whole trip about zones we wanted to ski and places we had, you know had skied and experiences we had, telling always telling right. each other all these stories. And he lives in holiday, which is kind of like, you know, it's like a nice neighborhood over by Mount Olympus, which is right on the foothills. And I'm like, yeah. oh, dude, like Neff's Canyon's like your backyard. Like I ski up there whenever, like winter's like this. Like when it's in, it's really cool. And he's like, oh, I've never skied there. And we woke up early to go ski up in Neff's. And I uh, showed him like we actually found a new Cirque of Couloirs that I had never skied like really close to where I was taking taking them. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, sick. So we skied this like epic line. But in the morning, like waking up at like 5, you know, 50. I was just like, "Fuck, I don't want to go walk up NEPS right now." It's like a two mile approach, like for sure. just to get to the skiing, and like the snow has been kind of windjacked too. I was like, Ugh. "Yeah," but you know, you get up, you walk, you start ta- telling stories. The sun comes up, the city's nice and clear. Like you start poking the snow, you're like, "Oh, there's gonna be some powder in the trees." Like you get yeah. psyched. Like you know, walking uphill yeah. is hard, but so is life.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a good. There's a good metaphor there for sure. Um, <laughs> Talk to me about the outpost. What, so first of all, explain to people what it is, where it is, what the bid is, and then we can kind of go from there. Cause I'm sure a lot happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, this kind of ties into what we've already been talking about. Like i so I came to wonder in 2019 when they launched, um, fall of 20, 2019, I knew that Matt was going to do this biotech. Was working for this biotech company, making petroleum products out of algae based resin. So petroleum, mm-hmm. So they basically like replacing petroleum products with this algae, which I thought was a weird diversion from the ski industry But I didn't I was just like whatever he's like doing something new Um, But then he launched wonder as this Basically a design lab to test these algae based resins in the skis So I was like that's really cool if they're making backcountry skis that have this environmental kind of ethos built in and attached to buying a pair of skis was the opportunity to come to one of these events they were starting to kind of scheme up. And that first winter, it was just the roost. And I actually bought my first pair of Wonders. I had been kind of out of the ski scene for, well, not out of the ski scene, but I had transitioned out of park skiing to all backcountry skiing at that point. And so I I hadn't bought a pair of skis in a while. I was still like, you know, riding the gravy train. Yeah. But I was like, I want to support this cause. I was like, you know, to tap Fujis and Matt Sturbenz, like a couple old legends in the industry. And this, you know, made in Salt Lake, like embodying a bunch of different pillars that I really was gravitating towards at that point. And still and continue to so i bought the skis and then i actually helped them um over the winter i skied with them a bit and then i helped them do that first roost in the february of 2020 like right before the covid shutdowns so yeah. that was really cool really great experience i met a bunch of people here in salt lake that had bought the skis and i met a bunch of other wonder um, friends of wonder that we're, were called that had come down and those have turned into like really great um, relationships and partnerships over the last few years And then, yeah, since then I've just become, I've like done more stuff with them, um, more of that kind of events. Like they do still do the big roost and they have these smaller gatherings called rendezvous that are more uh, what we're talking about, like 101 type courses, like learn how to use your equipment, learn basic avalanche partner rescue skills. And those are both both events that you can come to for free if you buy a pair of skis. So your skis, your ticket to come to these outreach events. La- the last two years, they started doing outpost events, which are basically a small version of the Roost, which they partner with local shops in different regions. And so then we go to the shop, we do like a little like uh, pre-trip meeting, like a get to know you mm-hmm. type of deal, and then we spend two days backcountry skiing in whatever their region is. So this year, okay. they invited me to come along uh, to join Matt for three weeks, driving the Wonder Van from Salt Lake City we stopped in Bellingham and skied Baker with a friend of ours Sick. at uh, Baker Periphery backcountry, and then we went straight up to to Squamish, where we stayed with another friend to wander, and then we did three days skiing Whistler, doing some ski testing, uh, and then we went out on the Blackcomb Glacier, where we toured a huge, like, an amazing day, like, like a quintessential, like, beautiful alpine touring day with like up in the glacier, like, you know, just big, like couloir, like granite couloirs, huge bowls, like big cirques in like needed, like needy powder, totally stable, totally clear. Got like the whole group, like 15 people that have come, had came to this event. Um, and it was the, one of the Evo stops and they, we all skied yeah. together that day and had this amazing day in the mountains. And then the next day we all drove over to Pemberton and skied off the Duffy pass, same style, like. This guy Paul, who we stay with stay with in Squamish, he's like another friend of Wonder. Him and I like kind of rage to the front of the group. Like my my like role in these is ranged from basically like logistics and like helping Matt with stuff, like driving the van, buying food, and yeah. like making sure that the uh, like we're in the right place at the right time, all the way to like guide. So when I'm in the group, I'll either be like the lead guide or some sort of like tail or assist guide. In Whistler, right. we have like a full IFMGA guide. So. We were there with one of another friend to wonder who Evan who runs a guiding company up there and he was like letting us kind of like do our thing. And like, we bagged this peak that Paul had never skied before. And then well, yeah, we, yeah, skied back down this epic glacier. And then Matt and I got in the van and pretty much drove straight back to Baker that night, Skied one more day at Baker and sure. then just kept going. We went down to Seattle the next day. We had our Seattle pre trip and then we skied two days off Snoqualmie pass, which was same style, like really sick views, good stability. Really great group of people came out to ski with us. Then we went to Portland um, uh, in Hood where I met up yep. with my, my business partner who lives there, Cooper, and he lives in Portland and he's a wonder guy and runs party shirt with me. So I had to hang out with, with him and some other friends of ours in Portland and then we did three days skiing around Hood. Um, then we drove straight to Bend and we actually had our first rest day in Bend, finally. First day out of the boots after like – I don't even no know. <laughs> I think it was like 11, 11 or 12 days that we – like Matt and I have – we're like – we both just, it's like we were talking about it earlier, like we're just down to like go with the flow and that yeah. means like figuring out where we're going to sleep at like 9 p.m. We're like having dinner. We're like, what's, I guess we could stay in this hotel in like Yakima or we could like drive to like all the way to Bend. Like, I don't know. Let's like have a beer and see how we feel. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it yeah. just kind of, they like worked out most of the time I would say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, part of that though is that like we look at each other like day one and, you know, I know Matt, like, pretty well. Like, we've skied together a few times here in the Wasatch, and through Wonder I've gotten to know him better. But, like, yeah. we haven't spent, you know, three weeks in the van together ever. <laughs> so we, like, I didn't really know how psyched he was going to be to, like, ski as much as possible. And when we started driving, it became pretty apparent pretty quick. Like, we weren't taking a day off if we if we could <laughs> if we could afford it, which was psyched on. Like, I want to ski as, much, as many new places as I can. And so, yeah, we pretty much skied straight through to Bend. Uh, it could have just been, like, a couple runs, you know, like, you know, we've had he had friends bump in, like we we met up with Friedel Cody and Baker and just did like one or two Sick. laps in the Baker peripheral or like when we we're at Timberline the day we the day before the outpost at Hood, we just like did a couple runs ski testing and like really bad snow. Yeah. And then yeah, I skied Bend, it was cool. The people in Bend were the, the community there was super passionate, really good group of folks there. Um yep. like super down for whatever. We had to like walk really far, like just approach style in the in like Arctic temps to get out to the skiing there. And it was yeah. like, you know, it's pretty short pitches, but they like troopered it. And then we drove back to Salt Lake. We did two days, like a, we had kind of like a travel day here where I sort of like recouped. And then, um, yeah, two really fun ski days here in Salt Lake. And then went to Colorado and did two more there
0: um, in the front
1: range, skiing uh, off Loveland Pass. And then uh, one day in Rocky Mountain National Park, which was, you know, really sick. The snowpack there is like super weird. Conditions were once again like really arctic, super windy, but we had good views. And I'd never ski, I'd never ski toured in Colorado ever. So it was pretty rad to like get there. And same style, like super psyched group. Like we had a couple friends of wonder there that were just like, you know, really excited to show us around. And that was, it's awesome to see because I know that feeling when people come here, I'm like, yeah, like pointing out lines. Yeah, you're hyped. Yeah. You know, telling stories. But yeah, you know, for me, like, The Wonder Outpost trip, like, the three weeks on the road and just, like, fully embodying that, like, travel ski mindset was sort of, like, what I would have hoped to do since I was, like, you know, every pretty much era of my life. Like, when I was a kid back east, like, ski growing up skiing, like, like shitty park days at Sugarbush. And then, like, when I was here, like, filming little edits in, like, 2011 with my buddies and then, like, as a ski tour, like, wanting to go on, like, rad trips to, like, you know, big glaciated peaks all over the world. Like, I got to do kind of every phase of that. And they do it with Matt, too, who's like been in the ski industry for, you know, 25 years or something like yeah. he, he was the head coach of camp, of camp of Champions for 12 years. So like my first trip to Whistler, I'm like walking around Whistler Village and Sturbenz is like, tell me about some like big air event that happened at the base area back in like 2006 and like the parties that ha- like that went down and just like just like his first time skiing up there and like tell me about like, like same thing, like watching the Blackcomb Glacier disappear, you know. And how hard yeah. that was. But this kind of like really cool amount of storytelling and just like sharing of like experiences. And then we got to go out and ski these two days up there, backcountry ski, like out in the Black Home Glacier, and then up off the Duffy that were just like, dude, like mind blowing, you know? Like like yeah. the sickest type of skiing you can do. And there's like we're party skiing with like a bunch of like wonder like basically people that bought wonder skis and that are just like stokers, like down to walk yeah. up hill five thousand verts. So we can just like ski as much as possible. Like party skiing yeah. couloirs and like bagging peaks and then doing that down like moving down the coast and yeah alpental was rad um the skiing got like pro- progi- uh, progressively more difficult i would say the further south we went just because the conditions yeah. in the southern cascades are you know quite challenging but it was sick man i got to be a variety of different roles and you know we dealt with like on Airbnb night getting messed up and we got, like got all our shit like packed up by the Airbnb host while we're out skiing and like, no had to, like Need her at a bar and like get all our crap. Why? And, like, be, uh, dude, like Matt's phone stopped working. So he like couldn't get calls the whole day we were out and and we were just like, yeah, it was like doing what I just said. We were like running kind of not by the seat of our pants, but more so just like going with the flow. And I think yeah. he had like pulled up two different like options when we booked one of them. <laughs> he like booked yeah. the wrong one. And so it was just like the, They didn't have the date we wanted on that one. So shit like that, that was like came up and you just like rolled with it, you know, like stay somewhere else and, you know, ski the next day. And uh, it was like a fun kind of just like break from like the routine here, but also let me realize like how nice it is to be state like stable somewhere and have like stability and, you know, like a more kind of like set up lifestyle here. And so that was it was nice to come back to it's great to like do the trip and like get it done. And people were like excited about us being in their towns and then yeah. to like, you know, be kind of like not burned out after that, but like tired, you know? Yeah. And just be like, well, okay. That was like maybe as much of that as I want to do this winter yeah. and like had this great experience and then be able to like come back and rest. And like, you know, then I went skiing with Matt on Saturday and we had like a great day out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's like, if you get the opportunity and I would say this to like folks, like if you love skiing and you want to make skiing part of your life, like Just keep following the opportunities that arise and keep like following what parts of skiing you really love because it'll provide you the ability to like work on climate issues or it'll provide you the ability to like get in the van with Matt Sturbenz and like go on some epic adventure and like, you know, really put you out there and explore new ranges and uh, meet new people and come up with new ideas of how you want to like live and, um, you know, experience the world.
0: Yeah. What... How do you not get completely tapped like a week and a half into that? Like, that's always my concern. Is like, yeah, like we talked a little bit about in the beginning. It's like, yeah, it looks all great. Everything looks perfect. Looks like your skin all the time. Like, it, I will tell people, like, yeah, our feed looks like that too. But that shit eats ass so often. Like, it is not oh. fun so much of it because, like, and it is, but it's so much work and you're so burnt. And I, I don't know how over the course of that three weeks you weren't like, Matt, get the fuck away from me! (laughs) Like, because I spend, dude, if I spend five days with X in a hotel, I'm like ready to tear this motherfucker's head off. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) this is how it is.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I do. I know what you mean. I mean, like, our like same with our styles of like kind of rolling with the punches and like going with the flows. Like, also how we kind of like give each other shit. We have pretty much like pretty similar like banter styles. So like, I don't know. He, He would just like call me out for stuff like at the out like during the outpost like oh jack's not gonna hit this cliff like give me shit about something or like when we're like we had the last day we're driving back from colorado we had so and this is this is gonna feed into answering your question i think in a bigger way but (laughs) we were like driving back up with this guy that we picked up in colorado to bring him here he's like a reporter that was covering part of the event like covering green ski technology and he just sat there for like the first like 40 minutes and matt and i were just like Going at each other, like back and forth, just like giving each other all this <laughs> shit, and like talking about we're gonna get dinner, and like just like I don't know, like harassing one another. And he's just this kid Ari's just like I just love joining a road trip this late in the game because you guys are like speaking a different language at this point, <laughs> and
0: yeah, that's what happens. Exactly, you, know, you just
1: like embody it. But that's I think that's partially why we were able to is because when throughout the trip we picked up people. So people like you know right. like my our friend Harrison in Bellingham, we stayed with him for a couple nights and. We like skied with him and then Paul Greenwood up in Whistler, like he, we stayed at his house and he stayed with us in Whistler. We kind of just like we, we like, tapped in Alex Andrews in Seattle, who's like the, the head of snowboard uh, for Wonder. So he spent like half the trip with us. Um, so yep. we would like, you know, people would come in and out. My buddy Carson Meyer, who's a photographer at a Bozeman or I guess Seattle now. Um, he, he like would, you know, he came and joined in Alpenthal and we just like would bring people in like front, like good friends of mine over the course of our, my ski, like ski life with wonder, um, would like tap in and like hang out with us. So I think it like broke up the just Matt and I yeah, in the yeah, van yeah. kind of vibe. <laughs> but yeah, like I remember the first, tr- the first leg of the trip, we like drove straight from here basically to Bellingham and we stayed with Har- Harrison and had this pretty fun day of skiing and, uh, Harrison invited us to stay. He's like, you guys can just crash here and then drive to Squamish in the morning. And we thought about it like most of the day we were skiing and we got back to, to Harrison's house. It's like getting dark. And Matt's like, dude, we can't get domesticated. We got to get back on the road and drive to Whistler. Oh
0: my God.
1: And it's like 6 PM or something. I'm like, all right, man, like, <laughs> I'm, like, I was just, I'm like down, he's down this so much, you know, he's like the master of this, like that dude, Matt Sturben's like, he's, he's like a brilliant brand builder. Like he just cares so much about the company, this, the sport of skiing. He knows the history. And like he knows how to do these trips, like he wants to go out yeah. and like meet people that want to ski on his product. And to me, yeah. that's like super sick. So if he's like, "We're getting back in," I'm like, "All right, man, you know how to do this. Like, let's fucking roll." And we yeah. did. You know, we like we like it was raining a lot that first two days of the drive, which I was like, "Cool, we're gonna be skiing in the rain, like in Whistler and in Seattle, like that's just what we're gonna get." And it was sick as it dried out, and cooled off, and snowed, but. We drove through the border. It was pouring rain, and I'm like, I'm behind the wheel for some reason, just going through the international border in like a commercial vehicle. And that's yeah. like, are you ready for this? I'm like, I think so. He's like, dude, they're gonna mind fuck you. I'm like,
0: okay. <laughs> like, oh my god. And so
1: he like gave me, we like went through the talking points and how we're gonna get through. And like, he's like, dude, we could, this could turn into like an ordeal if you if you fuck this up. I'm like, all right, man, I think I got it. And we're like, you know, <laughs> the guy like took our passports. And he did. He like grilled me. Like, he's like, what do you got in the van? Like, how long are you going? Are you selling stuff? And I like went through like you know Matt talked me through what I needed to know about, uh, yeah. and we like got through. And he's like, nice dude, nice, nailed that. He's <laughs> like, cool. I was like, that was like day two, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, lots of stuff like that. And I like, was psyched to learn from him and like ski, like got to ski together a lot and just like cruise around. And I'm good at some parts of this too. Like I've you know have this avalanche education background. And I think both of us like learned how to communicate with groups really well throughout the t- three weeks. Like yeah. how to like while we're out in the field and when the two of us were the lead guides, like how to, you know, plan a good tour and how to like get people through terrain as well as like discuss decision-making between each other and between the groups. Um, so that was really fun to like learn on the fly and like, you know, incorporate what I've done here in Salt Lake over the years and then apply it to this like international trip, you know? And Yeah. yeah, it was, it was a great experience, man. I like, like I said, like not everyone will have the opportunity to go on a three week road trip with a ski company. But like, if you do see like an aligning to be able to do something, like even with just friends, that'll put you, yeah, definitely out of your comfort zone. Like I wasn't comfortable the whole time when I'm like sleeping on some floor somewhere, you know, or a couch. (laughs) But like, it's, it's rad to still be doing that and to like be able to have mentors, like people like Matt and the other folks that we met along the way um, that, you know, have done some of this stuff. And then you, you see people like, Also, just figuring it out, you know. It's like you. I feel like more connected to the brand and the and the ski world at large from having done that. And I think, yeah. And if you have the opportunity, or if you want the opportunity, it's out there for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much available to people if they want it. I think one of the things that we're missing too is a place where people can get this info, like where stuff is going on, when it's going on, because it's a lot of times there'll be an event happening that even I have no idea is going on. Right. And I like try to know about what's going on, like all the time. It's like the one thing that I like really care about is like what, what events happening when it's happening, what it's just, I don't think people know how to get the information on all of these things that go on so that they know how to take advantage of the opportunities when they exist.
1: Yeah. It's super hard. i mean, even here. Like I'll have friends ping me about some, you know, uh gathering like a, like an outdoor ed or like an enviro thing that I would have been interested in. And it's like, well, it's happening right now. It's like 6 p.m. on a Wednesday. Like, I'm not going. Um, Yeah, yeah, I mean, you get over inundated by so much these days. Like, I feel like everything is so sensationalized. We're kind of like numbed down to like really what you're interested in. And yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, like, I just have to zoom in to the exact things that I'm psyched on. And you got to kind of keep tabs on stuff. Like, you got to use your Google calendar, I guess. But
0: yeah. For yeah. better
1: or worse. Um, but yeah, for like the wonder thing, like for me, and this goes back to like all that we talking about with like East Coast, West Coast and like ski, ski life trajectory or just like staying psyched on something. And for me, like that's what building this relationship with the brand's been. So when they've asked me over the last couple of years, like, do you want to do this? It's like, yeah, I'll go. Like I'll do that, that, uh, that roost or the rendezvous or like write a blog. And I've said that for a lot of groups, like a lot of environmental work that I've done too. Like just being like present And so I keep tabs on the specific companies or orgs or, you know, groups, like even friends of mine that I know are, we're kind of like getting out of the mountain flow. I'll like check in, you know, I'll be like, Hey Greg, like, what do you got going on next week? Like, should we like go ski something? And so, you know, it's just being present and not getting apathetic. And that's once again, coming from a point of privilege, I've like built my life around doing this and being able to have time to do it. But even if it's just like two things, like if you're just like, I want to know when like the telefriend tours are happening or something it's like, right. Or, or like, you know, Dan's rail jam. It's like put that on your calendar and you just show yeah. it like, go, you know, or if somebody asks you to go ski a line and you're like, you know, maybe you get like one free, I don't have time, but like, if you have a weekend open and you're like, I could just like watch TV. It's like, no, do like go ski the line, like say yes yeah. to stuff, you know, cause it yeah. doesn't always. That's a big itself. thing.
0: It's a big thing. It's just saying yes, right? Because it's a really hard thing to do because there's so much that's just easy to do. And saying yes, like, requires some kind of commitment, and it requires you actually being able to, like, go and physically do a thing. And there's so much anxiety that comes with it now where, like, people are like, am I good enough to do it? Do I want to do it? Like, do I have the ability? Like, do I have the time? Is there money involved? Like, there's so much that goes into it. But, like, I think for me, at least, and for a lot of people that I work with and I hang out with just saying yes is like the biggest first step that you can take because then if you want to do it, you'll figure out a way to do it.
1: Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, even with learning how to backcountry ski, like, and, or, or whatever, you know, these difficult outdoor activities, like climbing or biking, like you get invited and the first couple of times are going to suck, right? Like it's going to be For really sure. hard. And like, but if you want to learn how to do it, and if you want to like cut time out of your day to be able to make a part of your thing, then, you know, just go and go and take that time you need. And, yeah, I mean, I would also just say, like, as far as, like, the events that I've been doing go, like, yeah, you just kind of have to, like, remember in the fall, like, oh, yeah, there's going to be that wonder, like, rendezvous where they, like, you know, you've seen it on Instagram, but it's like, yeah, if you look look at the calendar, it's going to happen again. You can, like, buy a pair of vitals, like, on discount for, like, 500 bucks. You have a pair of touring skis that you can use for, like, I don't know, I can get, like, a bunch of years out of a pair of touring skis, you know? And then you can use that to go, like, spend a day with, like you know, Sean Zimmerman wall, like an air, like a, one of the big dog airy guys. And you can learn like how to troubleshoot your equipment. You can learn how to do a partner rescue. You can, you know, go ski with me and pep and like, you just gotta like kind of buy the ticket, take the ride. And then, yeah, when, when the opportunities come up again to do an activity or, or get out for some sort of cool like outing, you just, yeah, you say yes and go do it. And I have, like I said, I have friends like with kids and with like big, like full-time jobs that still like cut out a chunk of their, you know, week really to get outdoors. Like maybe it's like skiing at Pat's peak, like in the evenings, like in the dark, but they go do it, you know? And yeah, yeah, I mean, it's easy to, like, maybe not everyone's psyched on that. Right. Like you don't have, everybody has to do that. But if you, if you want to, you can do it (laughs) and just like, you know, don't make excuses.
0: And you're right, dude. Like a lot of it, like often it sucks. And honestly, like for like speaking for myself, I like when it sucks like I like when I go out and I get the shit kicked out of me by somebody that's better than me like that's usually like unless I'm just skiing with friends and like just trying to have a good time I only really get excited about going skiing or going mountain biking if I know like this is going to be hard and this person that I'm going with is probably going to kick my dick in. Like that's totally. like – that's what I'm going for because I'm going for that experience because I know I'm going to be with this person that knows and I know right. I'm going to be with this person that has done this and can do it. So it's just like I don't – I'm not worried about like not being able to find my way. I get to do this really hard thing, get the guidance of like where it is, how to get there, the motions of it and know like where I stack up in comparison to someone that does this all the time so yeah. that I have a bar now out reach because this isn't like – this isn't professional basketball where we can be like, oh yeah, uh, I'm averaging ten points a game. Now I want to average twenty. Like it just doesn't like. Right. There, there's nothing to compare it to unless you go out and you find these people and you ski with these people and you put yourself out there. Yeah. It, it's like anything else that seems a little scary. You kind of just have to do it and then go from there.
1: Oh, I mean, like yeah, like I have like anywhere from the wonder stuff or like even like I'm a pretty bad mountain biker. Like I'm a very like. You know, I learned how to bound bike basically during COVID. I had a hardtail for a long time, but I like go on social rides. Like I, yeah. I can keep up now. but It's because I did that. I like said yes to going riding with my buddy Ethan, who I know is just like he's like gnarly. You know, like you see him ride, and yeah. you're like, holy shit, dude! Like I would break my collarbone <laughs> yeah. for sure. So like trying yeah. to like you know having him like ride ride my like back tire down bobsled. I'm like I gotta go faster because Ethan's like pushing me or following him. And that's the same with like the first time I ski with like Pepper somebody. It's like cool, like. I've been skiing my whole life, but now I can like kind of like try something new or like take it up and do it for a notch or like, or or teaching. You know, you like put yourself in that position. And the first year I taught avalanche classes, dude, I didn't like, you know, I'd done what I needed to do to teach for that organization, but like, you got to figure it out, you know. And it's yeah. it's definitely a comfort zone thing. Like, okay, put yourself in this position of uncomfort, un- and it's not just about skiing or biking. Or these like you know privileged activities. It's just the it's the whole thing. It's like everything you do in life. You need to be able to know if you want to grow that you're gonna eventually have to like push to the next thing or or you know like at least like try something new to see if it works. And like sure. that's a, it's exciting. You know, once you get through that initial barrier of kind of like the fear of you know riding in the van for three weeks, it's like all right, I'm gonna commit to this thing and see yeah. what happens. And you get to have like rad experiences or like find a new rad avenue for expression or activity
0: you know yeah yeah for sure um sick awesome dude this has been great i uh it's already been over an hour so i'm like uh, this has been perfect so cool. uh, my Hell last yeah. thing for you is where can people find you where can people find party shirt like where where can people contact you learn more and also Wonder events if there's any coming up off the top of your head for the rest of the season that people should be involved in like this is this is a good chance to plug
1: yeah, absolutely so I'm just uh I have a couple different like outlets, like a lot of my writing uh goes to different publications and blogs, including wonder um but you know I'll probably share most of that stuff on my my Instagram page, so just Jack Stouse, like at Jack Stouse. um I do have like a medium blog too, but all that goes through my instagram um I have uh let's see um coming up event wise for me i'm doing one more backcountry ski course at the university and those are great courses and they they do fill up pretty quick as do all kind of level ones but uh in the fall like i would definitely like just try to like see and if you're in salt lake or the area i'm I'm, like really psyched to answer messages on on instagram or emails or even like texts you know to talk to people about beta um bounce ideas off of folks for trips like i'm i'm like definitely not like you know Don't tell anyone about anything like i have zones i have like a whole like i have like a whole like route like run list that i'm happy to share with folks if they you know are curious about how to find new places to ski or to go have adventures here in the desert um so yeah like people if you're listening to this and you're like in the salt lake area like you know hit me up um for wonder i'm pretty sure that they're they're wrapped on their events for the year um in the in the fall you can sign up for the out for the uh um rendezvous which are all here i think there's like usually four or five of those like single day 101s the roost is usually the last big one they do and that's in february and then the outposts will be i'm I'm almost certain they're going to keep expanding those so they'll probably be all over the west maybe we'll have some um i just i bet we'll go back to canada and i think there's going to be one more maybe international one this year but um yeah most of this stuff you know especially the aviad and a lot of this kind of like um type of stuff kind of wraps by the end of February just because like spring hits and stuff ends but yeah definitely just check out the website my buddy Jeremy is like the not sure what his title is but he's like basically the head of customer service and like like the ski like direct-to-consumer channel at wonder Jeremy Hanley he's been like he's like low-key one of like the most kind of in the back of the ski industry guys for like a long time and he'll he like answers that hello dash wonder email so if you have questions about the gear or the events coming up next year. Um, You can just get at those guys there. And they they do demos too. Like they have demo stuff down at the shop here in Salt Lake. You just like walk in and go talk to, talk to the guys that work in the front of house, like all the marketing and skier, uh, skier relations type folks. And then, yeah, I don't know. Was there anything else on that?
0: Party shirt.
1: (laughs) Oh, party shirts. Yeah. And this would be like a whole nother podcast probably. (laughs) But uh, yeah, party shirt is my irreverent uh, outdoor recreation um, short sleeve button down party uh, party shirt company that makes these silly shirts that have like epic prints that we'd make with our friends that do uh, pro graphic design and they're a stretch tech material it's good for getting outdoors and getting weird and you definitely like bring people just like wonder what's going on when you wear a party shirt. they're like people get psyched they just like see them on the yeah. trail <laughs> or out they're like yo like whose birthday is it you're like dude I'm just wearing my party shirt but they're cool because they do work they, you know they're fun and silly but they do work pretty well for going biking, going ski touring. Um, and that's just party sure international.com and party sure international on Instagram. Um, my, our, our marketing director, I think does have a tick tock channel, but I have no idea how that shit works. So yeah. that's somebody else. <laughs> that's to probably better out. that way.
0: Yeah. We'll leave it uh, at that.
1: Yeah. Party sure, It's been great, man. It's been really fun. It's like I started it just cause I saw a lot of like, I don't know, stuff in the ski industry or not the ski industry, outdoor industry that I was like, People are just trying way too hard. So many tryhards. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I want to make sure. something that's like f- works for sure, but also just like fun and silly and gets people psyched. And yeah. so yeah, we birthed Party Shirt sure International and like right before COVID, basically. But it's been really good. It's been successful so far, and yeah, we're gonna do some uh, Sonoran Avalanche Center uh, Party Shirt sure here. So keep Let's your go. eyes peeled.
0: Awesome. I love that. Dude, thank you again. I appreciate the time very much.
1: Great to talk to you, Adam. I appreciate it as well. Talk to you later.